0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, And in this HR Chat, we're going to talk about retaining top talent and the evolution of performance management. My guest this time is Harrison Kim, CEO at PaveStep a performance management solution designed to help companies develop and motivate their people with continuous feedback, goal management, and flexible reviews. Harrison is a former McKinsey consultant and private equity investor in the human capital management sector. He founded PaveStep to help executives and managers develop, motivate, and understand their talent just that bit better. Harrison, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Bill. How are you?
0: I am great. I'm excited to chat to you today, listeners. Some of you may be aware; others may not. Um, I I work for a talent management software company many, many years ago. So, um, okay. I mean, I'm excited to chat about this and uh, maybe throw in an extra question here and there, and just have a good conversation and find out what's happening today in the talent management technology space. Why Absolutely. don't we start? Why, why don't we start then by um, getting you to introduce yourself a bit more, Harrison? Tell me a bit about yourself, your career background and maybe start to introduce PaveStep.
1: Great. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And for the listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. So my name is Harrison, and I'm the CEO of PaveStep. PaveStep is an employee feedback and performance management solution that activates the culture of feedback. We work with organizations, small, big, and everything in between to help them develop and retain talent with our software and services. Personally, I'm very obsessed with feedback. Uh, So I'm very excited to share my thoughts today here with you. Um, A little bit more about me. I started my career as a consultant at McKinsey. um, And one of the biggest things that I took away from that experience was really this value of feedback. You know, I was fortunate enough to get staff with team members who really, really cared about feedback and cared about employee development. And I used to have this uh, great ongoing dialogue and continuous feedback with my team members. And that's really the original inspiration point for PaveStep. Uh, so again, I'm I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I really appreciate your time.
0: Okay, thank you very much. So let's get into it then, and um, let's start with a, a big blue sky question. I think before we get into into the details around what's been happening within performance management and what's happening now. Um, so that big blue sky opener for you, Harrison. In in what ways do you think that culture, core values, and communication help make an employee want to stay at a company?
1: Yeah, this definitely is a big question. (laughs) Um, You know, there are many stats and researches out there about culture, core values, and how they affect employee retention and engagement, right? I mean, instead of spending time on the things that people can easily Google, I want to maybe touch on this in a little more simple or very simple way. To me, alignment to your organization's culture and core values is a critical requirement for you to feel like you belong right? If you go to a party and nobody behaves like you or worse, you know, behaves in ways that you don't think are appropriate, right? You probably feel left out. It's the same thing in an organization in my mind. Of course, you're going to have differences in your preferences and values, just like how you are, you know, different from probably everybody else in the party. And that's totally okay. Accepting differences or rejecting differences itself is probably going to be a core value or behavior that's going to inform you about that party or this organization, right? Um, and simply put, if you find your tribe or go to a party where you really hit it off with everybody else, uh, you're going to stay there longer. And I think we can think about it as simple as that uh, from an organization and employee perspective.
0: Okay. Now, I like. I'm guessing a lot of our listeners today, maybe not all of them, um, because it is 2021 and things have moved on a wee bit. Um, but I'm sure a lot <laughs> of them have have also. Uh, gone through that annual performance review process where you sit down with your line manager, maybe an HR person, mm-hmm. one time a year. And uh, that, that one meeting dictates whether you get a pay raise, what your benefits might be like, what your promotion opportunities are like. And then that's it. You don't hear from them again until until the same time next year. Um, let's start now then by going on the journey of, of performance management and how it has evolved, Harrison. talk to us about about this concept of traditional performance management and perhaps that does very much include that example i just used a moment ago
1: yeah exactly i think you summed it up quite nicely you know traditional performance management typically uh refers to or involves those annual performance reviews right once a year or maybe twice a year exercise in which everybody writes a few sentences about someone else's performance over the last 6 to 12 months and you know, hopefully, these sentences are helpful feedback and guide employees to kind of understand what they need to work on and have some aspect of goal setting. Uh, and of course, with that, you've got some promotion and compensation decisions to make, uh, traditionally speaking. And if you've worked in a corporate setting in the last 10 years or so, especially big ones, right, you, the chances are you probably have gone through this process, whether as uh, an HR leader or an, as an employee or both.
0: So as a follow-up there, what are the biggest problems with traditional performance management processes, yeah. the review, and you know, the, the, the annual checkup and, and the annual review? What, what, are the, what are the problems with that? Yeah,
1: so I think there are many problems, but I'll touch on three. <laughs> um, the first one is that it, it's just too infrequent, right? When you share feedback with employees this infrequently, you miss out on a lot of opportunities to recognize wins and correct behaviors in real time. Right. I mean, oftentimes employees report that their performance reviews are surprises. You know, people say things like, I didn't know this was an issue. Nobody told me. Right. And you can imagine the amount of value, uh, the, um, the amount of value that you're leaving on the table, but by, by not recognizing those wins and correcting behaviors in real time. So that's number one is the, the frequency. That's that's a big problem with annual performance reviews or even semi-annual performance reviews. The second problem is that it's really produces unusable and inaccurate data. Um, partially because it's so infrequent, the reviews and feedback are unreliable from a data perspective, right? There's a lot of recency bias that creeps into the conversations. I mean, I don't even remember what I had for lunch last Tuesday. How am I gonna remember somebody else's performance over the last six months, 12 months, especially in this agile or project-based team uh, you know, environment where I'm working with so many different people across different projects and different uh, you know, uh, functions? you know, this is a huge problem, you know, because we rely on this data to make very critical decisions about our people, whether that's compensation, progression, you know, these decisions have real impact on the livelihood of our employees. So we need to get this as accurately as possible. So that's the second piece. And the last problem that I'll talk about here is in most organizations, it's very, very time consuming. A lot of time is spent at the organizational level. Many because many companies are still using kind of basic tools to process these annual performance reviews that makes it extremely difficult and inefficient um, to analyze, aggregate and report on. Uh, so there's a lot of time spent there, you know, especially in December. You know, people are kind of uh, wanting to close out the year with you know, great holidays. And uh, you know, this, this is uh, never, never the most fun thing to do in December or January time frame. Think videos out of reach for your recruiting, onboarding, and employee engagement efforts? With PowToon, HR teams can easily grab employee attention with engaging videos and visual content for talent recruitment, employee onboarding, diversity and inclusion, employee well-being, company events, and more. Visit PowToon.com today and use the promo code HRGazette15 to get 15% off any premium PowToon plan. PowToon, the visual communication platform.
0: I'd like to I'd like to get your insights from from yeah you work with lots of different clients in lots of different areas lots of different sectors which industries Harrison are, are maybe lagging behind when it comes to instilling the technology that will allow them to to make the more data driven decisions and optimize their performance and and why is that you know is it is it just maybe a case that um uh, they worry about the robots and uh, taking away the human relationship components are they just lagging behind because they're late adopters what what are those sectors
1: yeah, I think the more traditional industries uh, have you know lagged behind when it comes to technology adoption in a lot of different areas, but especially performance management. But I'll actually kind of um, tackle that in a little bit different way. So if you think about performance management from a digitization perspective, I think that's actually – there's a lot of white space, even in the technology sector today, or even in the most you know advanced and most innovative uh, sectors. I think that's that particular performance management, you know, digitization or tools or systems. I think that's lagging for basically everybody. Uh, but in particular, to answer your question more directly, I think the traditional industries where you know it's manufacturing, for example, or even professional services. When it comes to you know law firms, accounting firms. You know, they've lagged quite a bit behind, uh, you know, say technology firms. I think partially because of exposure, right? Um, as you can imagine, a lot of these performance management and employee feedback platforms, uh, software companies, right, have come out of the valley um, and, you know, network and get to know each other and get exposure earlier to other tech companies. But also, I think the, another driver is potentially uh, kind of the hierarchy, right? The culture. Um, you know, I'm obviously drawing very broad you know, generalizations here. But if you take a look at a uh, startup, right, that's been founded over the last three years, um, you know, typically, they have a more flat structure, um, a little bit more open dialogue when it comes to feedback, recognition, and employee development, employee engagement, um, versus, you know, more traditional companies that's been around for 100, 200 years, uh, maybe just surely, because, purely because of their size right it, it's more it's much more difficult to uh, create change within an organization of 10,000 people versus 100 people right so um that's that would be what i would you know what we found so far is you know some of the more traditional um you know, industries have been lagging in this aspect they may have the process down uh, better than other companies but it's the kind of the tool the digitization uh, that's where i think the you know uh, lagging really exists
0: Okay, so it sounds like there's a there's a journey there for for companies to go on, which is not just about tech adoption, but, but perhaps mm-hmm. also about about company culture to get to a place where uh, they can they can adapt a, adopt the the correct performance management uh, solutions for them and and become more data driven. On, on that note, how can organizations shift from traditional performance management to continuous performance management? Talk to us about the practicalities of, of, of sourcing solutions, of course, but also before that step, you know, what is the mindset you need to get into and where does HR fit into the conversations?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, I think there's a few things that people really need to do and, and leadership teams and HR teams really need to think about. So oftentimes people think, oh, we got to start with a tool, but I don't think that's the right answer. Um, and i'm and this is coming from somebody who provides these tools, right um, I think organizations need to one be really clear on their performance management strategy and align align it to their overall people strategy right? like who do you want to attract and retain, and really understanding how this organization in particular defines performance, right? So when I think about defining performance, a lot of people think about it this way, but don't explicitly explain it this way within their organization. I think about two things, right? You've got objectives, which are, you know, typical metrics, like, you know, dollars of sales or, you know, retention percentage or whatever it may be, kind of like the what you're trying to work towards. And then the second piece is around the values and competencies, right? Like how people behave, what kind of skill level people are at, the how right? Of how you get your job done. And feedback is your data here. So I think about performance in those two specific definitions. And depending on your role, one may matter than more than the other. So that's kind of number one, is being clear on your performance management strategy, clearly defining performance, and making sure that it aligns to your people strategy. Then, secondly, you've got to think about the process and the systems you need, right? I think broadly, you can think about Ongoing feedback and goals and formal reviews uh, as big elements in performance management. And you can probably start there and start thinking about the the processes and systems that you you need to have. And lastly, this I think is the most important piece, is lay out a change management strategy. Going from a traditional performance management system or environment to a continuous one doesn't happen overnight. Think about how to carefully change people's behaviors, right? And there are four drivers that I always like to talk about when it comes to change management, and I'm happy to talk a little bit more about this in detail. But I think about it in terms of sponsorship, education, experience, and process. Right. Simply put, for sponsorship, it's you need buy-in from and role modeling, role modeling from executives and managers throughout the organization. When I talk about education, um, you know, oftentimes people don't share feedback and receive feedback if, in an effective way because they just don't know how right? That's, uh, it's, it can be as simple as that. They just don't know how, so you need to provide the education. Um, third, around experience, you want to make it as easy as possible. And fourth, process, right? You need to put the right processes in place to reinforce and celebrate the right behavior so that they become habits and part of your culture over, over the long term. So those are kind of what I would think about from a company perspective or organization perspective going from traditional to continuous. Um, and if you're in a small organization, right, that this process may take a week or two to figure out. <laughs> you know, in in a, in an optimal scenario, if you are a large organization, it might take three months, six months, even a year or more to set everything in place, depending on how many kind of red tapes you have and you know what the decision-making tree or the process that you have. Uh, but the most important thing that I'll mention here is that you need to always iterate as much as possible, right? Uh, regardless of whether you're small or big. You know, you, you're going to try a few things that don't work uh, or work well, um, and you're going to find that you're going to actually learn a lot of interesting things on both sides. So you need to st- continue to iterate your process, your tool, your system, and your philosophy to make sure that it actually serves your people's strategy. So that was a long answer, but hopefully that answers your question.
0: <laughs> it does. So let me make them a bit harder, shall I? Let's really start challenging you now, Harrison. Yeah, sure. um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk a bit about remote working um, because... You know, that's a big obstacle, isn't it? When you're when you're looking to uh, assess, evaluate and communicate with your with your employees, of course. And um, I, I did an interview not so long ago uh, with, with someone from Gartner and uh, their research suggested that once we're through this current crisis, around about 27, 28 percent of employees will continue to work remotely all of the time. Mm. Um, um, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. How has remote working changed or shifted the, the future of performance management? What does that mean for being able to really evaluate employees who are disparate? And here's the curveball. Um, what about contingent workers? Should, should they be added now to, to tra- more traditional uh, mm. thoughts around performance management in terms of making sure that they're happy, making sure that they feel there's communication with full term employees and so on and so forth?
1: Yeah, this is a big question. Um and I think a pretty challenging one, but let me try to take it in a in in a few ways. So, I personally don't think that the transition from office to home, like work from home should have actually too much impact on performance management or how we think about performance management fundamentally. So, I do think it's absolutely different in certain aspects, especially ongoing feedback because You know, we've lost those organic moments to share feedback in real time with our colleagues. But I don't think remote work has fundamentally changed how we manage and assess performance. Let me explain a little bit. So back in the office, right, uh, most managers were or thought they were or at least should have been (laughs) evaluating performance based on things like metrics and competencies and behaviors like we just talked about. In other words, you're looking at what people are achieving and how they're achieving that. In the work-from-home environment, most managers should still be valuing performance of those things, what people are achieving and how they're achieving them, right? I think you just do it more through digital tools, which I personally think is a great thing. It's much more efficient, assuming you have the right tools and processes in place. So from a fundamentals perspective, I don't think performance management has to change. The fundamentals and the concepts have already been um, you know, in place, you know, from a research perspective, what works, what doesn't for a long time. I think a lot of companies have now come to realize, oh, this is actually uh, a lot more important than I thought. And by the way, here are some digital tools that will make it much, much easier uh, in a remote environment. And I think this is you know, similar to a lot of other kind of industries, right, uh, where the tools have become that or the digitization of these tools and processes have become really highlighting the remote environment. And to answer your question on the contingent workers, um, I think this actually really depends on two things. One is how your organization views and utilizes and manages the contingent workforce. And then second is the legality. I think there are some um, issues in certain states or certain regions where if if you have, if you treat your contingent workers um, and and treat them like employees, right? For example, and I'm sure many of your listeners are very familiar or probably much more familiar than I am with this issue. Um, you know, they have to be classified as employees and there are obviously risks and costs and other things associated with that, that organizations may not want to bear. So um, I think that really just comes down to, you know, their overall strategy, plus understanding the legality side of it uh, depending on where they, where they are.
0: Okay. And behind, behind, uh, Everything we've spoken about so far, uh, yeah. is is retention of your employees. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you do it right, you have the right communication, you have the right, the right uh, touch points, and and so on. Then hopefully you get to keep your best people, uh, whether whether they're full time employees or contingent workers or whatever. You know, you, you can keep mm-hmm. an ecosystem mm-hmm. of awesome workers. So beyond what we've discussed so far, Harrison, what what are what are some strategies that you would recommend for companies to use to improve the retention of their employees?
1: Yeah. Help your employees get a clear picture of their development and career paths. This isn't the easiest thing to do, especially if you are in a smaller organization, um, you know, that's moving quick and changing things really quickly, breaking things and growing hopefully really quickly, too. You know, it's not going to be the easiest thing. Um, But making sure that you at least communicate that, you know, their development and their career paths are a top of mind item from a leadership perspective is going to be very valuable and then acting on that to make sure that you can make sure sh- you can provide the learning, the development and the career pathing visibility that people most people want. Right. Um, I think that's a really important aspect. You know, a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, alignment to company vision, compensation, feedback and recognition. All of that stuff is absolutely, you know, those are all big drivers of retention. Um, but the one thing that I think a lot of companies don't think about or organizations think about is. This you know clear visibility into development and career pathing, so that's something that I would encourage, especially smaller companies, to think about earlier than later.
0: Whenever I spot that one of my guests has a podcast, I always feel compelled to bring it up um, because this <laughs> is a podcast and I enjoy it, and uh, I get to spend a lot of my day chatting to clever people like you and doing doing interviews like this. and uh, And you are also a host on. Uh, your podcast, which is called Working With People. Yeah. Why don't you take 60 seconds and tell us all about it?
1: Yeah. So in my past, what I found was that there were a lot of executives and leaders who said they cared about their people and want to invest in them, yet didn't really walk the talk or didn't know how to walk the talk. On the other side, there are many people, experts and leaders who have great experiences and insights on how to manage and optimize your talent, right? And how to care for them. So we want the Working With People podcast um, to be the bridge between the two parties, really. So we invite people experts to share insights and their stories about everything and anything people. (laughs) Um, And we hope that we can get their messages across and amplified.
0: Nicely done. What a pro. That was in about 50 seconds. <laughs> Perfect. T- time to spare. And let's use that spare time to, to wrap up today. Harrison, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe you want to share your email or maybe di- direct them to LinkedIn. Maybe you're really cool and you're on Instagram and uh, <laughs> and all these other cool places. Um, and, and also, how can they learn more about Step?
1: Absolutely. You can reach out to me. Uh, on my email at harrison at And you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. Again, the name is Harrison Kim. Uh, and to learn more about us and Pavestep, you can just visit our website. It's at www.pavestep.com. That's P A V E S T E P. Unfortunately, we don't have Instagram that's super active. We're not that cool yet, but we'll get there someday.
0: Well, you make up for it by having a very attractive website, listeners. I was checking out earlier and I I mentioned it to Harrison before we hit record today. It's very, very nice and easy to navigate. Um, Hey, that just leads me to say for today, Harrison, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Bill.
0: And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working and please do continue to stay safe.